Aaron, Heather, Tammy, Bill, Terry, Susan, Tom, Marin, Chris, Joel, Steve, Tyler, Janet. Your names on his heart. Centuries before he went to this cross with your name on his mind, the prophet Isaiah prophesied about the kind of death that Christ would experience. In Isaiah 53, he wrote these words, For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And as one whom men hide their faces from, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he's borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of his people, and they made his grave with the wicked. And with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit from his mouth. Today, the day upon which we reflect on the cross of Christ is not an easy day. It's, it's a thing that we often turn away from and avoid. We, we often don't want to think about or reflect on or lean into the truth of the beatings of Jesus on the way to the cross. Most of our expressions of the cross are, are far too beautiful to actually represent it fully. Even this week, I read the description uh, from a medical doctor of what Jesus experienced in the last 24 hours of his life, and I had to turn away because it, it turned my stomach. And in our experience, I think most of us don't lean enough into the experience of Jesus on the cross. And, and just one illustration of that, I want you to think about right now your favorite movie. Your favorite movie of all time, if you have one. I want you to think about how many times have you seen that movie? Five? Ten? Twenty? Forty-seven? I mean, some of you have every word in that movie memorized. Question for you. How many times have you watched this movie? I don't know anybody who's seen it more than three, four, five times. I don't know anybody who's seen it 47 times. Why? Because it's too harsh. Because it's too painful. 
as we turn away. You see, he was the one who took up our pain. He was the one who bore our suffering. On that cross, we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, Isaiah says, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. And for so many of you in this room and those of you who are watching online, when it comes to the cross, we begin our journey with Jesus knowing that we have no hope but this cross. And so for many of you, as you took the bread and the juice tonight, you reflected on the cross and, and, and you thought about the beginning of your relationship with Jesus. And, and, and some of you, you, you literally clung to the cross. It, it was your source of hope. It was what gave you a sense of, of forgiveness. And many of us, we begin our relationship with Jesus and we're clinging to the cross because we know that without it, we're hopeless. Some of you, you couldn't get through a song in church when you first came to Christ because you couldn't get over that he did that for you. And so you, you sang songs like Nothing But the Blood and Amazing Grace, and, and you go, that was for me. And it wrecked you and it changed you. But somewhere along the way, whether it was because of the harshness of the cross or our familiarity with it, something shifted and something changed. And for many of us, we've shifted from a cross-based Christianity to a different one, what I call a ladder-based Christianity. And I'm going to ask my friend Gary to bring out another prop for me tonight. You see, for many of us, we began our relationship with Christ all about this, recognizing that, that we did nothing to earn or deserve the forgiveness of Jesus completely consumed by the fact that our name is on that cross and our Savior is on that cross. But it's hard to stay there because it means that you're absolutely humbled and you know that you brought nothing into this. But along the way, sometimes, and I include myself in this, this is not me talking about you, this is talking about us. We shift from the cross and we begin thinking that relating to Jesus is a little bit like climbing a ladder. Jesus is up there. We need to get better or do more, and so we start climbing the ladder. I'm going to come to church and read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give some money to the church, or I'm going to go on a mission trip. I'm going to tell somebody about my faith. I'm going to stop that bad habit and start a new good one. And so we start climbing the ladder, and we feel like, man, I'm making a little bit of progress. We start comparing ourselves to other people and go, man, I'm, I'm getting up this ladder faster than them. Jesus is up there and he's kind of cheering me on. Okay, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, I'm getting pretty high up the ladder. And, and we seem to be making so much progress over where we used to be that the humility we had at the foot of the cross begins to be replaced with pride. And we begin to put our pride in the progress we've made. And we lose sight of the cross. And we exchange the cross. As Chad, Bur Chad Bird, an author who introduced me to this paradigm, we exchange the cross for a ladder. And many of us, this becomes the way that, that we relate to Jesus. We think, okay, it's about being a good person. It's about doing all the right things. And sometimes we even begin to compare ourselves and go, well, I'm at the fourth rung 
And my friends are over here at the second rung, so I must be better than them. Jesus must love me more than them. I must have more reason to be proud or confident than them. And this is the work of our enemy. Because if he can pull us away from the cross and he can get us living by this ladder, then we lose sight of our need for a cross. We lose sight of our need for a savior. And this is the reason why we have to have Good Friday. Because we need the constant reminder, we need the annual disabusing of our pride and our ladders to remember that this is our only source of hope. This is our only source of consolation. This is our only source of identity. This is our only source of forgiveness. Christianity is not about climbing ladders. It's about coming to the foot of crosses. And if our enemy, Satan, can't get us shifting from a cross to a ladder, then what he'll begin to do is he'll begin to accuse us about our ladders. You know that's Satan's main role in the life of a follower of Jesus, is accusation. In Revelation chapter 12, it says, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them day and night before our God, he's been hurled down. See, for me, if Satan can get me off of the focus on the cross and onto climbing the ladder, he'll begin to accuse me. He'll say to me things like, he'll say, Scott, you're an imposter. You think you're doing so good climbing the ladder, but if people only knew the real you, then they, they wouldn't trust you or listen to you or follow you. He'll say things to me like, Scott, you don't have what it takes. I know you've made it up a couple rungs, but there's no way you're going to make it to the top. He'll say things like, Scott, you're in over your head and, and, and you're hopeless. He'll say, Scott, you should just quit because eventually you're going to fall off. And I hear those voices of accusation in my head. Maybe you know these voices all too well. And it reminds me of when I was a kid and I'd get a cassette tape stuck in the player. Or my parents would get a record stuck and it should keep going and going and going and going. And for some of us, this is the voice that we hear as you've exchanged a cross for a ladder. We hear the voice of our enemy accusing us and condemning us. But that isn't the full verse in Revelation chapter 12. It says that the accuser of our brothers and sisters accuses them before our God day and night, and he has been hurled down. And the rest of the verse is, and they have triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So, so when I've lost sight of the fact that my hope is in that and not in that, and Satan begins to accuse me in these ways, I turn back to this. And I go, you know what? I'm not a hero. He's the hero. I don't have to put on a show and be the hero. You know what? I don't have what it takes. I don't. That's why he had to go there. You know what? I am absolutely in over my head. But you know what? It's not about my head. You know what, Satan? I'm going to quit climbing this ladder because I don't have to climb the ladder. He hung on the cross. And you know what? I've fallen off and I'm going to fall off again. But that's not the source of my hope. That is. Because he didn't fall off of that. He paid the ultimate price on that. If you don't hear anything else that I say tonight, this is what I want you to walk away with. 
that the cross has the final word on you because the cross is greater than anything you've done. The cross is greater than any accusation or brokenness or mistake or failure or sin. The cross is greater than your worst moment and your best moment. The cross is greater. When you walked in tonight, there was a, 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 an image on the TVs in the lobby. It was this image. Because this is the summary of Good Friday. Many people say that, that Good Friday is defeat and Easter Sunday is victory. I read someone this week who said, no, Good Friday is victory and Easter is vindication. And the cross is greater than anything. And the cross has the final word over everything. So I wonder tonight what it is that's in your blank. I wonder what it is that you're struggling to believe the cross is greater than. I wonder what is that place that you need to trust to Jesus this year on Good Friday? And I believe that one of the beautiful parts of this night is it allows us more silence and reflection than our normal gatherings. So the band is going to play for a couple minutes, and I just want you to reflect on this idea and ask yourself the question, and maybe ask Jesus the question, what goes in that blank for you? And in a couple minutes, I'm going to come back out and lead you in the rest of the service. I'd encourage you to spend some time reflecting.
at a certain point, Good Friday has to shift from something that happened a long time ago to a reality that's still impacting your today. And so tonight we wanted to offer you an invitation to put yourself in the blank, to put something that you've been carrying in the blank, to take Good Friday from something that happened a long time ago that Jesus did to a reality that's impressing upon and changing here today. When you walked in, our ushers gave you an index card. We encourage everybody in the room to pull out their card right now. If somehow you snuck in the room and you didn't get a card, I'm going to ask my friends in the back to give us some house lights and I want you to raise your hand because everybody needs a card. If you don't have a card, raise your hand. Okay, we got a couple people over here, down here. Just keep your hand raised until you get a card. But while you're waiting for your card, what I want to encourage you to do is I want you to write this sentence on your card. Keep your hand raised if you don't have one. Raised high. Got a couple right here in the middle and then the back. The cross is greater than. And then I encourage you to, to fill out that blank. We'll get back to you in the back in one second. Maddie, am I taking that back to the person in the back? It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be a novel or a paragraph. It could be a word. It could be a phrase. It could be a sentence. What is the cross greater than? What's that thing that you've been saying? There's no way that this could ever be dealt with. There's no way this could ever be finished. There's no way I could ever release this or abandon this or get over this. Where does the cross need to have the final word? And I want to remind you, the cross has the final word because the cross is greater than anything you could throw at it. He went to the cross so that we could be confident that everything was done. I'm going to ask my friend Gary to come out right now. Help me with this. And some of you have been Christians for longer than I've been alive. And for you, what needs to go in the blank is not your sin. It's your goodness. It's your own righteous acts. Because no matter how high you think you climb on the ladder, you're never going to get to the top. Because if you could, there'd be no need for that. So maybe what needs to go in the ladder, in the cross, is your ladder your own confidence in your own self and your trust in what he's done for you. Gary, you want to help me? The band's going to lead us in a second version of that song we just introduced called The Cross as the Final Word. And after you've completed your card we're going to invite you to come forward and put it in the, in the box. 
as a sign of confession and surrender and trust and faith. This isn't just theoretical. This is real. This isn't something you believe with your head. It's something you're trusting with your heart. So as the band leads us, we'd encourage you to stand. And when you're ready, we'd encourage you to bring your card and put it in here.